This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their f- Have you gotten Rommel yet? What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Sunday evening. And this is not quite a breaking news edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, but it is uh, new news uh, for, for people listening here on the podcast feed. And to do that, we're going to go over to that home daycare center and get to Ryan Callahan here on this Sunday evening. Ryan, how are you? And tell us about this uh, new commitment Tennessee's gone deep into the heart of Texas to get. Yeah, do, doing well, Wes. And, and like you said, uh, so, some news on this Sunday. Uh, while all the focus has really been on the transfer portal lately, uh, a, a pretty big target for Tennessee uh, that not a lot of people knew yet was not quite a household name because this the focus has just kind of started to shift to 2025. And, and not a lot of people were aware that this is the guy who's been on campus multiple times already. But four-star tight end Jack Van Dorselaer from uh, South Lake Carroll, a really good program in, great, in Texas. Great program. And uh, yeah, commit, commits to Tennessee on Sunday and and uh, picked the Vols over USC essentially in the end. And uh, Texas was also high on his list. You know, not exactly where he was, not not sure where he was on their board, but uh, but regardless, those were the three teams that he mentioned that he considered the most in the end. But a top two forty seven prospect, a guy with more than twenty five offers early in the process, uh, had been to Tennessee uh, twice last year. Uh, visited in January, uh, almost a year ago. Uh, for the first time, got an offer while he was there. Actually got that offer from Alec Ablin, essentially, you know, I think kind of signaling that he was going to be the tight ends coach, but at that time he was not the tight ends coach officially. At at that point, uh, it was less than two weeks before he was introduced as Tennessee's tight ends coach, but Ablin was tagged on that offer when Van Dorselaer announced that one uh, back on January 21st. 
And since then, pretty much, uh, this has been one of Tennessee's top tight end targets in the 2025 class. They really like him. Uh, six foot five, 230 pounds is, is what he said he's at right now. Maybe a, a little bit under 230 potentially, but regardless, uh, good frame, good athleticism, a lot to like about his game and, and certainly someone Tennessee has made a priority for a long time and, and to get a highly ranked guy this early out of the state of Texas when there's a lot of guys left on the board, uh, obviously at that position, uh, really big and obviously really big for Tennessee to, to get a guy that addresses a major need. You know, they, they wanted two tight ends in the 2024 class. To this point, have not been able to get that. You know, no signs yet of, of anybody else on the horizon being out there that, that Tennessee might add as a second tight end in that class. So that makes it that much bigger of a need for 2025 and off to a very good start at the very least uh, by getting this commitment. So nice pickup here for Tennessee and a, and a bit of a you know surprising timing uh, with uh, you know a player committing this early. You know, hadn't announced the decision date, just kind of dropped this on a on a Sunday and, and gives Tennessee five commitments already for the 2025 class. So obviously off to a very good start. And now Van Dorselaer, the highest ranked out of those five commitments so far. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the timing does seem a little bit surprising, but you know, this is one of those guys who, when he says, Hey, I want to commit, you say, all right, you make it happen. I mean, this, this, he, he's got, as you said, Ryan, more than two dozen offers right now. I would imagine since he's a top two, four, seven prospect, I would imagine most of those offers are, are, pretty committable i mean this is a very 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 good football player as you said plays plays at a fantastic program in one of the best states in the country for high school football and a place where tennessee has gone in a little seems like tennessee's been a little bit more active in texas recently i don't have the numbers with me right now on hand to back that up it just feels like tennessee's been a little bit more active uh with getting some texas guys which is interesting because that is sec country now right i mean that is officially sec country because for years Tennessee could try to go in there in Texas and and the the way you could try to get guys would say hey listen I know you love being in Texas and all this but hey you can come play in the SEC if you come to Tennessee well now they can go to A&M now they can go to Austin you know they're and they're in the SEC so to go there now seems like a maybe a, a in some ways perhaps more challenging thing than it used to be and for Tennessee to go in there and get another one I think it's a big deal yeah, it's it's no longer a, a unique pitch in that state to to have a chance to come play in the SEC because yeah, you've got Oklahoma that's recruited there for years, and then you've got both of the big in-state schools in Texas and Texas A&M. So uh, yeah, the, and and obviously Texas, you know, their their rise to a college football playoff team mm-hmm. this year uh, certainly doesn't make it any easier to go in there. Uh, you know, Texas A&M's had some some turbulence, but they're always going to recruit pretty well. So that's yeah, it's not an easy place to go and get players that those two programs want. And, and again, not sure if he was a, a major priority for Texas, but he did attend a game there this season, had been you know at least heavily involved with Texas. So uh, definitely worth noting that they were able to go out and uh, into Texas and get a highly ranked player like this. And, and again, someone who, uh, who you know says his decision essentially came down to Tennessee and USC. Uh, this is one of those cases too, where, you know, I think the, the comfort level, just, you know, being able to, to feel at home uh, in, in Knoxville, both times he was there, um, you know, I, I think he's a, he's, he's a Southern kid, you know, he's not necessarily a, uh, you know, one of those Texas kids who couldn't imagine leaving the state, obviously, but, uh, I think felt more at home in a place like Knoxville, uh, that, you know, mentioned that to me specifically that, um, uh, that just felt, you know, Knoxville more so than Los Angeles felt like a place he could see himself playing. Um, so it's not, not always the first, uh, the, the main factor that, that some kids will admit to, 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 you know, deciding their recruitments. But in this case, I think, you know, a, a mid-sized city like Knoxville so, certainly felt more comfortable to him uh, compared to LA, where it obviously would have been a little bit different culturally well, I mean, for him compared Ryan, to what. Yeah, Ryan, he, he, it's not like he can he can you know uh, you know t- 
tape some uh, tape some ice bags on his knees and go duck hunting on Sunday in Los Angeles. Right. And, and so, yeah, he's, he's, uh, and I was going to say, there's a, I think there's a picture on his Instagram account that shows him doing some outdoor stuff. So, uh, yeah, just, you know, sometimes when you recruit, that's, that's, that's the value in recruiting within your footprint, right? When you're, when you're recruiting kids from the South, they come to Knoxville, they see a place that's usually more like what they've grown up around. You go out to, to LA or someplace like that. It sometimes feels different. And in his case, I think that's what he felt when he visited those two schools, liked USC, liked the coaches there a lot, but just couldn't see himself there as much as he could see himself in Knoxville. Um, interestingly, when I talked with him during the season, he was back in town for the South Carolina game. And I think that visit really helped to sell him on Tennessee. I think, you know, certainly after that visit, he was really thinking of Tennessee as a place he could see himself. Uh, but he did mention after that game, you know, saying, hey, you know, the, sure, the tight ends caught six passes. I think it was in that game. The tight ends were very involved in the offense that night. But he, he had already paid enough attention to Tennessee that he said, I, I know that's not been the case in some other games, though. So I'm going to continue to kind of track that and, and watch how the tight ends are involved in the offense. And, and you know, not, not sure how, how he viewed that by the end of the season, but they did catch 10 touchdown passes this season between uh, between Castles and Warren, obviously, and uh, got the ball to the tight ends at least a good amount. So uh, he, he mentioned in his comments uh, when I spoke with him Sunday afternoon that they, uh, they have kind of a 1A and 1B situation at tight end. At least that's what they've shown in the past and and he feels that gives him a chance to to compete for some early playing time since they do you know tend to play a, a couple tight ends in a lot of situations uh, at least dividing the time there so uh yeah a lot of things that kind of helped tennessee in this one including alec ablin who i think did a really nice job mm -hmm. recruiting him over the past year but uh but yeah i thought that was interesting that the difference in culture you know sort of uh, or just the environment in knoxville compared to la it sounds like a big factor in his decision. Yeah, Ryan, talk to us a little bit about this young man as a player, because it used to be, it wasn't too, too long ago that when you thought of tight ends, you thought of one thing, right? You thought of the guy on the end of the line who was a little bit smaller than a tackle, could go out and catch some passes sometimes, but blocked a lot. And now tight end can mean a billion different things. I mean, in Tennessee's offense, you might be an inline tight end. You might go flex out wide. You might go line up as an H-back or even a fullback in an I-formation occasionally. You can do a million different things, and it seems like there's a million different types of tight ends out there right now. What type of tight end is this? It looks like from his size with his frame, I'm guessing after a you know a, a year eating a PB&J sandwiches and doing – SEC weightlifting, you're probably talking about a 250-ish kind of kid right there and maybe looks like a you know a guy who could split out wide but looks like maybe more of an inline guy. Am I wrong there? Yeah, no, I, I was going to say very much in line with what Tennessee has gotten uh, previously at the tight end position under Josh Heupel. You know, he was, he was about 6'4", 225 a year ago or, or some, at some point last year during, uh, I think that was maybe what he weighed in at or close to that during his first visit to Tennessee about a year ago. Now, now closer to 6'5", he says, and 230. Um, so he's not uh, not huge, huge yet. And that's how that's how you want tight ends to look, honestly, coming out of high school. You, if, if you're going to end up around 250 or 260, uh, you, you want a guy that's probably closer to 230 uh, right now coming out of high school. And this is a long way off, so this is a, a projection, uh, I guess, at this point. But he is on track for this. It is worth noting he, he does plan to be an early enrollee at Tennessee next year. So a guy who should be on campus uh, early about a year from now and uh, get a chance to get a head start on, on maybe pushing for some playing time going into his freshman season. So that's always a big deal these days and something we see obviously quite a bit, but yeah, Josh Heupel. And, and you see this even at the wide receiver position, I think they really value height and, and catch radius at the tight end position. You want a guy who, um, you know, I, I think has the, the, the pass catching ability first and, 
and some run after the catch ability is is also a, a, a big deal there these days, having at least some ability to 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 take a short pass and make it into a nice gain. And you certainly see that on, on Jack Van Dorselaer's film. Um, but you know, still has the willingness to block the the physicality that even though you wouldn't say he's a blocking first tight end, he's certainly uh, more than capable of of doing that and, and does a pretty good job with that. You know, lines up in uh, in line quite a bit, but also uh, you know offset and some things like that, and and can be a pretty effective lead blocker in some situations as well. So uh, I think there is a lot to like about his game, and uh, you know, it looks like a guy who would be a pretty natural fit in Tennessee's system. Uh, again, as he continues to develop, that's one of the things in Tennessee's system that is a little bit tricky. Is you have to you have to get that strength part and the blocking part down, as we've seen with Ethan Davis. You know, you can be a pass catcher first, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's hard to play as an every down guy right away because. Uh, you do have to to get that blocking part down because they don't substitute a lot, obviously. So um, it, it might not be a, a day one starter situation, but looks like the kind of guy who uh, has a chance to maybe compete for playing time earlier in his career if he can continue to get the the, the physical part and the strength uh, down because he does have a a nice frame and a skill set that kind of lends itself to to being a good fit in Tennessee's system. So I think a nice fit here and sounds like nice fit culturally as well. You know, a, a guy that you know Alec Ablin has mentioned to him that. You know, just personality-wise, seems to fit uh, with, with their guys and what they what they want to be about. So I think that's uh, that, that's always a plus for, for with this staff too. And they they, they obviously see, see him as a guy that can fit in seamlessly to to what they already have in their room. Yeah, and what about the the numbers now at tight end, Ryan? Both I guess for for twenty four a little bit and twenty five. I'm asking that because. This will be the second consecutive season that Tennessee is going to kind of kick the can a little bit. You know, it's kind of gone into the portal, gotten a guy who kind of patched things up, be an older guy, veteran guy who can step in and, you know, physically kind of what you're getting. Um, but they, they've also needed to develop some of these guys, and we'll see if Davis is a guy who ends up being developed. But, you know, I suppose there's no rule against you just going into the portal consistently every year and getting some tight ends, but you'd like to build your own as well. And so I wonder with what Tennessee's already gotten in 24, uh, with him now being in the 25 class, what do you think in terms of still pursuing guys via the, the, the portal in 24, via recruiting in 24, via recruiting in 25? Run us through the numbers a little bit there at tight end because I, I could see them doing a couple different things there. Yeah, that that will be interesting to see how they approach that position because they obviously need to replenish the numbers there or continue to replenish the numbers there one way or the other. Uh, they currently are projected to have four scholarship tight ends going into the 2024 season. Uh, that's obviously not something that's set in stone just yet. You know, We'll see if they decide or, or try uh, to add anyone else from the transfer portal. I think they still might be interested in that if they can find someone uh, that, that's the right fit. I don't think they want to bring in someone who – is going to challenge Holden stays for for the starting job, the, the Notre Dame tight end they brought in last month. Uh, but at the same time, I think having another veteran there who can help, uh, at, at least in a pinch, you know, a, a number two or number three type uh, would make some sense. So depending on who it is, you, you, know, you don't want to, we've talked about this before, you don't want to block Ethan Davis. You want to give him an opportunity to compete for that number two spot if he's ready to take it uh, this year. But yeah, realistically, it looks like Holden stays is in line to be the number one tight end going into next season. Um, so if they found the right guy, you know, maybe they could add someone before next season still to, to get that room back to five, which is a much more ideal number to have yes. on scholarship. Yes. Um, Espe- even though they especially, but especially as important as they are to the offense, you'd like they're so important to the to Tennessee system. You'd, you'd like to have five on scholarship, I would think. Yeah, well, and it's and, and let, uh, that kind of leads to what I was, was going to say. They 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 all only play one at a time, so it's very important. But the fact is, they always have one out there, and very seldom don't. You know, they'll they'll occasionally throw out a four receiver set, but that's not 
not a very common thing. So the fact that you always have one out there, it is a very important part of the offense. And same one, one game to the next, it can be can be very important in the passing game. But it's it's obviously they run the ball well, and and that's something they want to continue. And it takes a tight end to to help with that. I think so. Uh, they they obviously do treat that as a very important position, but it is tricky sometimes sometimes and they found this last year when they brought in McCallan Castles they were interested in bringing in two in the transfer portal at that time it can be tricky to find that second guy so I think it does have to be the right one for them to find someone this year to to add before the 2024 season but if they could they still might be open to that um, if not though I think 2025 it becomes more important for them to maybe get a couple guys in that class we'll, we'll see how they approach that uh, and, and obviously, again, you know, you don't want to scare off a guy like Van Dorsalier, who's a, a highly ranked player and someone who obviously feels he can come in and, and probably challenge for some early playing time, you know, relatively early in his career. Um, but the, but but regardless, they, they do need to get the numbers back to a, a healthier number. You don't want to have four scholarship tight ends all the time. And we still don't know, you know, long term what the outlook for Emmanuel Okoye is. That's a guy that has all the potential in the world. And, and you would hope that by 2025, he's in a better position to, to challenge for some some playing time, but, but for right now, he's still a wild card. So with that being one of the four that that position is kind of wide open and and doesn't have quite the depth you'd ideally like to have. So uh, one way or the other, they need to add probably another body by 2025, whether that's a a transfer portal guy this year or a second tight end in the 2025 class, that is probably something they'll at least look to do. Uh, One other side note, I just kind of thought this, you know, for a position that we've talked about the numbers not being, ideal that we talked about Tennessee kind of striking out on the second portal tight end last year it is interesting that this continues a trend of Tennessee getting uh, early commitments from pretty highly ranked tight Mm -hmm. ends it's the third year in a row they've been able to do that they had uh, obviously Jonathan Eccles in this past class who didn't end up sticking with Tennessee decommitted and flipped to USF less than two weeks before early signing day and then obviously two years ago Ethan Davis was a guy who committed about a year before early signing day Mm -hmm. and ended up sticking with Tennessee so Three years in a row, even though Tennessee's not, you know, had this reputation for doing a great job of recruiting tight ends, they have they have continued this this string of bringing in highly ranked tight ends pretty early in the process and doing a good job with that position. So um, give Alec Ablin credit. You know, I think he caught some grief from some fans this past year. Now, I kind of point out that he had a tough job, I think, selling a second tight end role to someone while he had Jonathan Eccles in, in the class that he inherited uh, that Alex Golish had previously landed. So in some ways he maybe didn't get a fair chance to come in and establish his own tight end class from the start. Well, he, he did that in the 2025 class and, and here he is landing a guy that he's been working on for, for almost a year now. So give him credit, I think for doing a good job there and getting Tennessee off to a good start in the 2025 class. Yeah. And it, before we go to break, just as a reminder for, for people who, who watch Tennessee and, and know a lot about football, you probably already know this, but the reason why a tight end is almost always on the field for Tennessee is because for Tennessee to play at the pace Tennessee wants to play, in order to have any kind of formational flexibility, you have to have a tight end out there. Because if you've got four receivers out there, it, it, there you could go trips or you can go two on each side. There's a couple different things you can do. But by and large, if you have a tight end, that's how you really can change up things formationally and have some flexibility there while keeping the tempo up while not letting the the offense go in there and make a substitution or defense make a substitution that's sort of the 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 101 of why Tennessee has those tight ends kind of the o negative blood or whatever to to what they do well, like they need one they it just they all it always helps because you can move them around you can do things well you also want to, you want to be able to run the ball um, to be able to go so fast and be able to keep a defense on its toes and not know whether you're running the ball or throwing it 
the best way to do that is always have a tight end on the field so that you are in a position to, as you said, move that tight end around wherever you need to be and block for him because it's usually, I mean, this, this day and age, all these quick edge rushers, you want at least one side to have that extra guy out there to make it tough for someone to just shoot off the edge and blow up a run play in the backfield. So if you try to do that all the time with four wide receivers, a little bit trickier, that tight end gives you a lot more options when it comes to running the ball. And that's kind of a necessity, especially when Tennessee often, when they hurry it up, I, I tell people all the time, Tennessee likes to r- hurry to the line and then run it on you. When, when you want to do that, you, you need a tight end out there most of the time. Yeah, and they, they tend to help in the running game as well, as you saw uh, even in the uh, Citrus Bowl where you had uh, McCallum Castle's lineup as a fullback in the I formation in short yardage, and by God, it worked against one of the best rushing defenses in college football. It worked. So, yeah, maybe this young man can go in there and give you a, a bit of a slobber knocker there too down the road when he develops physically later in his career. We will see. Uh, we'll see. You know, obviously Tennessee, as Ryan mentioned, third season in a row, third year in a row, where a big-time early tight end commitment has joined the class. And two years ago it stuck. Last year it didn't. We'll see if this one sticks. Obviously Tennessee would prefer this one stick again, even though Eccles did kind of – his value sort of diminished as a prospect. You know, I think Ryan's mentioned several times Tennessee still wanted him, but it also wasn't the end of the world necessarily when he flipped. So things kind of – Things can change. They often do change in recruiting. But nonetheless, this is a big addition for Tennessee. Tennessee would also like to make some other big additions uh, up front, Ryan, but not maybe at tight end, but but also at offensive tackle, where things have gotten a little bit squirrely for Tennessee on the recruiting trail. Uh, Tennessee has lost a, a player there, and Tennessee is trying to add instead of lose. You, you got that big-time young quarterback. You want to add some offensive linemen around him we got a lot to discuss there Uh, and since we're kind of not really doing a full breaking news episode anyway i think it's probably a good time to go ahead and go to break come back and talk about where tennessee is on the offensive line because there's there's um there's a fun room for plenty of room for debate there i don't know if it's fun but but plenty of room to debate on what where tennessee is and where it needs to go and what it needs to do so we'll do that after we catch this break here quickly pay some bills listen to product services in-house ads etc and then come right back here on the go balls 24 7 podcast hashtag ad Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product services and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Sunday evening. Ryan Callahan coming to you from across town there at his home daycare center talking Tennessee football on this edition of the podcast, even though uh, we'll have plenty of basketball coming up on the pod later this week. The fifth-ranked Vols just absolutely disassembled disemboweled, disenfran- just just diseverythinged Ole Miss, uh, 22nd ranked Ole Miss, 90-64 to on Saturday night. They're at the arena, and Tennessee's got a couple big road games on uh, – couple big road games on the road because I'm an idiot who can't use words correctly. Some road games on the road for Tennessee this week going to uh, going to Mississippi State on Wednesday. Tough game. And then going to Athens on Saturday where uh, the, the Stegosaurus isn't the, the, the toughest place to play basketball in the league. It is a place, however, where Tennessee almost never plays that well. So we'll have Ben and I will have plenty to talk about that later in the week. But we are sticking with football on this episode. Tennessee getting the commitment from Jack Van Dorsler, top 247 tight end from a great program there, South Lake Carroll High School in the Dallas area, right there in Tejas. Big, big addition for Tennessee. Tennessee's also had some uh, departures, though. We, we talk about this transfer portal quite a bit. It does swing both ways. We're going to get to both ways that it swings there in this segment after just a quick request from our end. If you could go in there and just take about a minute out of your day, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, we really, really would appreciate that. If you're just listening on the website at GoVols247.com, nothing wrong with that. No wrong way to consume this podcast. It does help us out a lot more, though, if you go in there, rate, review, subscribe, whether you're on Apple Podcast, uh, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod. You can find this Govals 24-7 podcast. We do it for free. We're happy to do it. No complaints whatsoever. This is a labor of love. Since we're doing it for free, though, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there, rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. Tell everybody you know. Tell people you want to know. Drop it on your socials, your, your, your Twitters, your Xs, your Facebooks, your Instagrams, everywhere. Please go do that stuff. And if you're already doing all that stuff, thank you. We love you. If not, I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. Tennessee obviously has lost another player via the transfer portal. Gerald Mincy uh, will matriculate to a third football program to complete his college career. The offensive uh, tackle, mostly a starter, not always, but mostly a starter for Tennessee. Uh, This season uh, came to Tennessee from Florida. Uh, admittedly was a bit of a knucklehead at times. I think that's probably the nice way to put it, Um, but still a productive, solid, uh, not spectacular, but solid SEC starting offensive tackle uh, who will leave Tennessee for for a, a number of reasons, but he is leaving. And so Tennessee is trying to get in the portal even harder now for offensive lineman Ryan. And and, and it's it, it's it's a journey, right? It's tough. It's a slog to try to get offensive linemen in the portal because if you're 300 pounds and you're decent, you're going to get a lot of offers and you're going to get a lot of tasty offers and you're going to get a lot of good places where you can go play football. And it's it's not easy. People say, oh, just go get some linemen. Well, Ryan, they're damn hard to get, aren't they? <laughs> they are. And I think, you know, uh, 
probably a little bit, uh, as of the recording of this podcast, probably a little bit of overreaction to how this weekend has gone so far. But Tennessee has hosted uh, a, a couple visitors on campus this weekend. And, uh, and on the offensive line especially, that, that's been the, the focus. Uh, they did have a cornerback, uh, Jalen McMurray from mm-hmm. Temple, uh, on campus this weekend as well. But sounds like he will probably not end up at Tennessee. The Vols probably will, uh, will go in another direction for some cornerback help. So we'll see where else they, uh, they go there. They, you know, still at least uh, another name or two out there and uh, some, some other names that will enter the portal in the coming days. So they should have some other options there. But the offensive line has been the main focus. And as you said, with the departure of Gerald Mincy, and that, that's one that maybe surprised some people uh, on the outside, but that's one we had kind of talked about mm-hmm. that even, uh, I think, yep. in our Brew McCoy podcast um this past week just always one to watch just always one to watch yeah because because the ncaa opened that door essentially you know that was a guy much like dante thornton the wide receiver not in position to transfer a second time previously because he was not in line to graduate yet from tennessee Uh, previously you had to be a graduate transfer to be able to transfer a second time uh, because Gerald Mincy uh, was not in position to, to do that yet, he couldn't leave. He just frankly didn't have the option. Um, once the NCAA recently opened that door, though, and said it's not going to challenge anyone uh, who, who applies for, for immediate eligibility or transfers a second time, uh, that they're not going to challenge anyone's eligibility going into the 2024 season, uh, they, they essentially signaled to schools recently that, hey, anybody who's transferred before, regardless of whether they're a grad transfer, they're free to go, and, and once they get a new school, they'll be eligible immediately. So that signaled to Gerald Mincy and Dante Thornton and anyone else like that who has transferred before, hey, you're free to go again if you want. And so that obviously uh, gives those guys more leverage when it comes to, to NIL, asking for more in that in, in that regard. And um, and if the you know if they don't get what they want, then then hey, in the portal they can go. So it it, uh, it definitely caused some problems for some schools in Tennessee. You know, obviously had to deal with one of those. The good news there, it does sound like Dante Thornton, at least for now, is sticking around Tennessee. Uh, I've yet to hear any indication. I don't know if the portal is completely closed to Tennessee players just yet, uh, but regardless, it sounds like he is likely to stay um, for, for the time being, knowing that he needs to continue to work and improve himself. But on the on the downside, you, you lose a, 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 a guy who was going to be in line to start at right tackle again next yep. season. Uh, you know, only started seven games this year for a couple different reasons, injuries and sometimes other stuff, but – um, but regardless, they H- hence the knuckle, um, the knucklehead stuff. I mean, I'll, I'll just call it what it is: knucklehead stuff. Yeah, and, and just you know, going into the season, you know, that there was still some question as to whether he was the best guy there. You know, at times this past year, he didn't want to play right tackle, and then he he kind of bought into it a little bit more when he realized that he had the the best chance to play there with John Campbell having locked down the left tackle spot. So, um, you know, he 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 finally established himself as the best guy there and played played pretty well at times, but mm-hmm. uh, still just kind of up and down and. Uh, but a guy that now, hey, will we'll probably have some pretty good options. Thirteen career starts, I think, at Tennessee under his belt, and in two years, and and uh, and a guy that with that much experience is going to have a lot of choices. But in the meantime, that leaves Tennessee in a bind. And if you're if you're wondering, hey, could Gerald Mincy come back? He had some tweets immediately after he announced, or immediately after he, he entered the portal, uh, making it clear that he does not plan to return. So I think that would take a a 180 on his part for him to even consider that. And, I never, rule, I never rule anything out with him, but yeah. very doubtful. Right. So, and, and I think Tennessee's moved on or and pretty much immediately moved on. So they, that's why you've seen them getting even more active in the transfer portal. Uh, they had already been looking for potential left guards um, or guards in general, knowing that they do have a left guard vacancy with Ollie Lane now leaving uh, the six year senior uh, the starter for most of the season at left guard. Um, you know, they, they need somebody who can come in and at least challenge 
uh, to, to give them an upgrade there because there, there is some concern about that position. You've got uh, Jackson Lampley that started the bowl game. You've got Andre Carrick. You've got a couple internal options there. Uh, but I think they, they still, even with some some veterans returning elsewhere, just would like to, uh, to to bring in some additional help there and see what they can get. Um, so that's that's a, a, a spot they were already looking to upgrade. They they had uh, um, the the Florida transfer Jalen Farmer in this past month. He ends up at Kentucky, uh, committed to the Wildcats on early signing day uh, in Tennessee. You know had 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 tried there at least to some degree. So now they they've been looking elsewhere and they hosted uh, the the Kansas transfer. Uh, our Maje Reed Adams uh, from originally from Texas uh, hosted him this weekend. And I think there was some optimism coming out of that visit that Tennessee might be able to land him. He picks Texas A&M on Sunday. Again, Texas native. I think he had some family, uh, some family things that, that led him in that direction in the end uh, that, that made it tough for him to leave the state and that, since he had the chance to come home. So there's that. Um, but that was a, a little bit of a miss for Tennessee for sure uh, as they look to address the guard position. And then you've got the whole tackle problem. Um, because obviously you you have Dane Davis that could be again an internal option there if you got in a bind, but I think ideally they would like to add someone else who's an immediate starter uh, to solidify. I mean, that you position. know, Sham Umarov, you got other guys who maybe could develop pretty quickly who would have the chance to at least. I think. Yeah, and and, and there's you know I know there's gonna be a lot of uh, a lot of people out there hoping that Bennett Warren, the top 100 mm-hmm. prospect coming in in this 2024 class, um, comes in and, and is ready to play from day one, but that. I'll tell people again, he's highly ranked based on his ceiling. I don't think he's one of those top 100 players who is going to be day one ready. Plays at a small uh, to school start. too, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Played a smaller, not 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 the tiniest, but yeah. In, in Texas, not the highest level. Does play at a private school, so um, that is that is one concern. And he won't be on campus until late May uh, because he's not an early enrollee. So not ideal there if you're trying to challenge for an early early uh, role of some sort. Uh, but regardless, I, I think he was always a, kind of a guy that would need at least a year to develop, if not if not a couple. And that's that's typical. Offensive linemen, we say it all the time, are are, are that's a developmental position. They're they're not expected to start as true freshmen. It's only the five star freaks really that are the exceptions. The Trey Smiths, the Cade Mazes, and even those guys don't always play well as freshmen. They just have the skill set to do it, and sometimes have to learn learn hard lessons on the job. Um, so yeah, so really not a not a lot of great options there. Like you said, maybe. Uh, maybe one of those young guys takes a big step, a, a Brian Grant, even, you know, someone like that, that gives you a, a better feel internally. But otherwise, you, you probably need to bring in somebody. So uh, the big fish that's out there, and as the, the recording of this podcast, we don't know exactly where things stand. But uh, Lance Hurd, the, the LSU freshman, former five-star prospect, you know, one season of eligibility down, um, still three in a red shirt to go if he wanted. So uh, a guy with that kind of resume, that kind of track record, and that kind of uh, and he started a game at LSU this season, even, and that kind of uh, uh, eligibility remaining is going to be extremely coveted in the transfer portal. So there has been a ton of competition for him. Uh, this is all you have to say. Ole Miss, as as good as they've been in the transfer portal this year, thought they were in pretty good shape with him from the minute he went into the portal and did not get a visit from him this week. That's that. That's how competitive it has been for Lance Hurd. Um, he ended up visiting Tennessee on Saturday in what is probably the shortest official visit I've ever seen from a transfer. He was in Knoxville for about six and a half hours. Um, hmm. got, got in late Saturday morning. Barely uh, time for and, two meals. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's – and they and he might have gotten them because uh, that's, that's what most of these guys do on uh, on these visits is eat uh, the whole time they're there pretty much. But uh, but you you really uh, – it, it's hard to, to, to explain to people just how 
frenzied this process mm-hmm. can be. Lance Hurd mm-hmm. goes in the transfer portal on Tuesday after LSU played in the bowl game on Monday in Tampa. Uh, he goes in the portal on Tuesday. And for the next three days, I can't imagine how many phone calls and texts he got. I mean, it had to be just crazy. And his his visit plans are, you know, in flux. He's trying to figure out where he might want to visit. Uh, who, who knows what all is being discussed. And when he, he gets to Friday and even the order on Friday, we, we started hearing he was going to visit Tennessee and Oklahoma. The order of those visits flipped on Friday. He was going to go to Oklahoma first originally and then head to Tennessee on Saturday to finish the weekend ends up switching them. So Tennessee ends up getting the shorter visit, but the first visit. And a lot of people feel like the first visit's a big deal in the transfer portal sometimes because they've seen some guys go on one visit and just shut it down. Well, that doesn't happen with Lance Hurd. Not a huge surprise there. A lot of competition for him. So he does take the the, the brief visit to Tennessee and then heads to Oklahoma. We don't know for sure where things stand with that one. If it's a Tennessee-Oklahoma battle, this this will probably sound obvious, but it's just where where I think things are. If it's just those two teams, I think Tennessee's got a realistic shot. Does that mean Tennessee's the team to beat right now? I'm not prepared to say that because I think there's some level of optimism on on Oklahoma's end, too. Mm -hmm. So, um, And the Sooners obviously getting the longer visit. You know, they probably do feel good about things. Um, There is a dead period for recruiting for what it's worth between Monday and Thursday. So for the next four days, players cannot take more visits. The transfers had the past five days for only transfers to take visits. All visits will resume for all players, including high school seniors and junior college players and things like that, uh, starting Friday. So you will have a chance to host more transfers next weekend, potentially. And there will be more guys in the portal, um, especially those who can uh, who play for the teams in the national championship game. Uh, Monday night, those players can enter for like the next mm-hmm. week. So yep. um, still a lot more names that will be out there. But bottom line, they don't have anybody else on the offensive line just yet. Um, they had one go against them already. They've had uh, they had Lance Hurd on campus, and that one's still in limbo. And then the other possibility that's kind of, at least for now, gone by the wayside is Diego Pounds from North Carolina, uh, a guy that Tennessee was involved with coming out of high school under the uh, with, with with the Jeremy Pruitt era, and he he goes to North Carolina, coming out of high school originally from the Raleigh, North Carolina area, and he's the starting left tackle for the Tar Heels this season. So he's another guy that's going to be very coveted. Ole Miss was his first visit this weekend out of the transfer portal. His visit got pushed back at the beginning because of travel complications, so he didn't arrive until Friday evening. Tennessee was hoping hoping to host him on the back end of that visit. Um, His mother apparently had difficulty getting to Oxford as well to start that visit, so I think Ole Miss was trying to extend that visit as long as possible on the back end to to maximize their time on campus and maybe to keep him from visiting anywhere else too. Sure. Um, So regardless – the, the, the long and short of it is he did not make it to Tennessee on Sunday. And there's, you know, a, a good bit of belief that he ends up at, at Ole Miss uh, at this point. So we'll see uh, where things head with that one. Even if, um, even if he does commit to Ole Miss, um, there is a sense that maybe, maybe he could still visit Tennessee after that. I would say that's probably a long well, shot. You know, the, if- Ryan, the, the, the Jan- I think Tennessee's spring semester doesn't start until January 22nd or January 23rd. Exactly. You know, and then you yeah, still 20, have, then you still have drop at a little bit after that, so you've got time right. in some ways. Yeah, January twenty second is when the semester starts, and like you said, the drop ad deadline is not for another week or ten days after that. So you, I mean, basically the end of January is is sort of the deadline to get somebody on campus. Now, most guys will want to have it wrapped up by then because they've got to be able to enroll at either of two schools they might be considering mm-hmm. in most cases, yep. uh, and you don't want to wait too long and leave yourself with no other options. But yeah, they will. They will have more time and they could host more visitors next weekend or perhaps even the week after that. 
um, to, to see if they can get anybody else in the transfer portal who can enroll this month. But regardless, for now, it looks like the odds of Diego Pounds visiting Tennessee um, before announcing a decision are, are probably slim. Um, but there's still maybe a sliver of hope they could get him on campus at some point. And then Lance Hurd, the big fish, still out there. A lot riding on that one because if you know fans are kind of have been freaking out a little bit today, and I understand it. There's the uncertainty at tackle, sure. but thinking, hey, if you miss out on Lance Hurd, where do you go next? And I think the answer has to be that the the possibilities in the portal are not done yet. You know, the, the 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 winter window has not closed completely. There will be still some additional names in the portal, and Tennessee's going to keep swinging. But for now, they're they're still kind of left in limbo and waiting to see what else might be out there. Yeah, maybe the best case scenario if you're a, a like a, an offensive lineman going into the portal is to be like a pretty solid player on a team that plays in the national championship game. And then, like, you can go in when no one else can, and people will, like, be desperate to throw you God knows how much. I'm just talking financially here. That That's what I'm thinking here. That That's just a neither here nor there. But regardless, if not that, Ryan, then, I mean, you're you're waiting. Let's be realistic. You're waiting for the spring window, aren't you? Uh, well, yeah, and that's not the entire uh... – that's not the entire list of possibilities. That, that's not, I mean, there are sure. lots of guys out sure. there in sure. the portal now. Uh, and, and keep in mind that anybody who is out there in the portal now, even if they're not graduating uh, or even if they're not able to transfer this semester, but you know, in some cases guys want to stay one extra semester so they can graduate at their first school. Cause it's so hard to transfer if you're that close to graduating mm-hmm. things like that. Um, so, so there, there are some situations where guys are in the portal already, even though they're not transferring until after the spring, but there are some guys who are out there who have yet to pick a school and some in some cases have been in the portal for three, four weeks and just haven't picked a school yet. So there's still a lot of names out there that Tennessee can sift through. It's not just guys who have recently gone in the portal. It's not like everybody else has already gone. There's a lot of guys still out there. So you're you're kind of going back through names. A lot of this happens so fast. You kind of, you, you know, when you're first looking at guys, you're sit you're just looking for the 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 big names. You're you're looking or, mm-hmm. or the obvious targets. You're looking for the top level talents, the no brainers. And sometimes you go back and you look at guys and there might be someone that catches your eye more uh, as you continue to go back and, and look over guys that you might have you know, kind of glossed over the first time. So maybe they end up finding someone who's already been in the portal. Maybe someone still enters the portal in the next uh, several days. You know, I mentioned that, you know, it, I think that it may be five business days after your bowl game that you can still enter the portal. It, it's, it's, it's sort of fuzzy on exactly when the, the firm deadline is for guys to enter the portal. Um, and then there's 48 hours after you submit the paperwork that schools can wait to put out that you're in the portal or to officially put you in there. Um, so there still could be another name or two added this week, even from guys that are not from Michigan, Washington, wherever. So anyway, all that to say, there still could be more names that pop up in the portal this week, not just from those two schools. So that, all that to say, you, that, you know, there's still some options that could be out there for this month uh, beyond what we know right now. So stay tuned. It's a, it's an ever evolving situation as is everything in the portal. Just let it play out for probably another week, and I'd say by then we'll have a much better idea of whether Tennessee is going to be able to add someone from the transfer portal to address that obvious need on the offensive line. And, and we talk about head on a swivel all the time, but I mean, just think about other small things like the FCS title game. You know, was today. I mean, there's all kinds of different possibilities of guys yep. that that could be out there. But l- let's let's make no bones about this, Ryan. Before we get out of here. We've mentioned this time and several times, right? We know Nico Iamaliava. We know the the talent Tennessee has there with the young quarterback. 
We know we've talked ad nauseum the past few weeks about just sort of the, the plethora of pass catchers Tennessee could have next season. All these kind of toys back in the toy box, you know, with Brew McCoy coming back and Thornton getting healthy and the, the transfer, you know, from Tulane coming in, uh, the two top 100 signees coming in. Like we talked about that. We know Dylan Sampson, Selden, some other good running backs out there. We know there's a really nice tight end coming in and there's a couple of young, nice tight end prospects in the program already. There's a lot of talent they're putting together on that offense, and that will mean approximately nothing if you don't block well. So they do need to get this sorted. Like maybe people, and I, I'm not going to say maybe, I'll say definitely some people are are freaking out a little bit too much right now. But make no mistake, Ryan, the justification for being at least a little bit concerned is there because you can have all these toys, and if you can't protect them, they don't mean anything. That's right. And, and there was a lot of excitement over Cooper Mays returning and John Campbell returning. And, and even though there hasn't been an official announcement, the likelihood that Javante Spragans is going to return. You should have a, a veteran core on that offensive line that keeps it from being a, a, a major issue at the very least. But you still right tackles an important spot. Obviously, mm-hmm. you've got to protect, uh, even though that's not, you know, the left tackle gets so much attention because it's the blind side for most quarterbacks, but it's still an important spot. Uh, and, and one that you know Tennessee's not had completely solidified at all times. And when Tennessee's offense struggled in the first month of the season, you know that that was one of the positions where they weren't playing their best. It seemed like so. I, I do think they need to get that nailed down a little bit. And, and certainly, I think Tennessee would like to continue upgrading this offensive line as well, mm-hmm. while yep. while maintaining that veteran core. You know, you're trying to keep it status quo, but they're also, I think, interested in making it better if they can. And and one way to do that is bring in a guy who's a proven starter even better than what you had this past season. Now, like you said, Wes, at the top of the segment, the tricky part of this is everybody that's got any level of Power 5 experience Mm -hmm. in the transfer portal on the offensive line, especially, is so hard to get. Um, If you remember Tyler Steen, that recruiting battle that Tennessee was involved in in the transfer portal, they were were hopeful that they were going to get an official visit from Steen. They ended up getting just an unofficial visit midweek as I recall, and kind of a hurried recruitment. And he ends up at Alabama. And and I think people were stunned by that. Like this decent starter at Vanderbilt, and he he goes to Alabama and starts right away. That's just what everybody that's out there on the offensive line with a lot of – and Gerald Mincy, I'll be fascinated in seeing where he ends up because anybody with that kind of experience is just so coveted because everyone – Literally almost everyone in college football thinks their offensive line could be better. Mm-hmm. No one's completely satisfied with that position just ever. That's just sort of the nature of it um, because you always feel you could be more, you could be stronger in the run game. You could be more solid in pass protection, more athletic. You need longer guys at tackle, whatever it may be. And so no one's completely satisfied. And anybody out there with that kind of experience, especially an SEC school like Lance Hurd and especially a former five star like Lance Hurd. Those guys are so hard to get. So many teams want a player like that, and especially one like Hurd that has you know three years of eligibility left after this season. So um, it's just hard. So I, I you know I know everyone's initial reaction you know when they hear the the news on Reed Adams going to, to Texas A and M is here we go again Tennessee missing another offensive lineman. Well, in that in that case we know a little more now, and that's just a guy that I think was going to have a hard time passing up the chance to go back to his home state because of some family considerations. Uh, and, and in general, I understand the concern, but just know going in, and we've said this about the transfer portal in the past, 
sometimes if you don't have a direct connection to this play to a player, uh, don't have an existing relationship or something, it can be hard. And I think there's this assumption that Tennessee is going, going cheap on the NIL front and stuff. I can assure you that's not the case. Uh, just sometimes these battles are hard to win and, Sometimes other people got money too and and yeah. and and everyone's trying to get these offensive linemen you're like you need to get you know one you know you need to do some stuff but like dude it's hard it's hard and remember oklahoma like you said everybody's got money and in oklahoma remember what we said about them when when the sec schedule came out and tennessee's going to oklahoma for that that game early in, in september next year they lost almost their entire, if not their entire, starting yep. offensive line to the transfer portal. Yep. So they're looking for immediate help too. And, and you know, look, North Carolina just lost Diego Pounds, so like they're looking for a starting left tackle. Probably like it's a trickle down effect. Everybody loses somebody, well, they've got to replace them. So just imagine how many teams are looking for offensive line help, and that's what you're up against. And it makes this market and this uh, this this level of competition that's just insane for any offensive lineman that's that good. So. So I think Tennessee's going to get somebody. They're they're going to probably patch up that position pretty well. Will it be one of these top guys? Obviously, we got to wait and see. Lance Hurd's a big fish out there. That you know, we'll see how many more options Tennessee has if it if it can't get him. But uh, but they're at least in play for him, and that's not a bad place to be. They got a visit from a really coveted guy, and they got the first visit at that. So so we'll see where things go with that one. But just know, you know, I, I don't think it's. If Tennessee misses on one or two more targets, it's not because they're incompetent and they're, you know, they're not trying hard enough with NIL or anything like that. It's just sometimes it's just really hard to get these guys in the transfer portal. And that's that's the danger of you know letting a guy like Gerald Mincy walk is, yeah, sometimes you might have your own frustrations or concerns about a, a player or a position. And you, you say we need to try to upgrade. Well, upgrading in the transfer portal on the offensive line can be pretty hard. And, and we'll see if Tennessee finds that out this year. But it's it's certainly a possibility just because it's so hard to win some of those battles. Yeah, the it can be the devil you know being better than the devil you don't know because sometimes the devil you don't know is a devil who don't exist. You know what I mean? Like you need guys there. You you need bodies, you need options, you need ironing, you need iron sharpening iron, you need all that stuff. So we will see, Ryan. I mean, it's it's again, I don't think anybody should be freaking out just yet. Tennessee's got options. Tennessee's going to be all right. Tennessee's offensive line is generally pretty well coached. They'll they'll be okay. It's just, you know, in an ideal world, you're you're better than okay. You know what I mean? Like in an ideal world, you're just destroying people off the ball and and knocking people back and having, you know, a billion yards and points a game. That's ideal. Uh, so well, we'll, and, we'll see if that happens. Well, and th- this is the tough part about recruiting the, the, the transfer portal because ask anybody who's been in the market for a quarterback, you know, this offseason. There have been a lot of quarterbacks out there that are pretty good, but these programs feel like their entire season next year is hinging on one recruiting battle in a lot of cases. You know, can you get, you know, Will Howard or DJ Uyanglale or, you know, whichever whichever quarterback it is that's out there, can you get this guy that you think is going to transform your season? And it's similar for Tennessee fans right now, imagining the offensive line being a problem if they can't solidify that that right tackle spot. And, and I, I would say left guard's pretty important too. Yes, so yes. You, you need Not to as important, both. but important. Yeah, so so you need to solidify both of those spots. So uh, I get it, um, but at the same time, this this is the hard part about sort of life in the transfer portal, especially when you're looking for a big name like that to 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 really patch things up. Uh, you you feel like it's all on one player or two players because there just aren't as many names out there that fit that quality sometimes that you're looking for. It's not like high school recruiting where you can pursue ten guys to hopefully get one or two. 
if you got two guys and you need to land one of them and that's <laughs> that's hard so uh it's you live and die with every development when it's like that but it it makes things kind of agonizing for fans and hey if they get lance heard tomorrow or later this week or whatever the outlook will have completely changed but for now there's a lot of hand wringing and you know i understand it but it's it's a hard way to live it is but we'll see i mean there's lots more to dissect and discuss about the portal tennessee's not done with it or, or at least doesn't want to be done with it certainly tennessee would like to would like to, to add some more and we'll see if that happens and and then we'll we'll see what Tennessee's roster looks like for the spring and then we'll get through the spring and then we'll see what the roster looks like for the for the season and beyond right I mean that thing this thing never stops Ryan it absolutely never stops and that that's exciting in some ways and and also in some ways a little nerve-wracking but you know what in that sports that's what sports is supposed to be so I mean that's kind of that's kind of where things are now but I think unless you got anything else I think we're at a pretty good spot here no, I think we're uh, we're good for now. But yeah, stay tuned. Uh, junior day is just around the corner, and obviously the transfer portal still still in full swing, still not closed completely. So, lot lots more that could happen. You know, still could be another visitor too that could pop up next uh, next weekend. We'll see about that. And then Tennessee holding its first junior day of the year on January twentieth, and uh, you know, five star quarterback George McIntyre closing in on a decision in the twenty twenty five class. Lots happening over uh, probably the next couple weeks. So a lot to keep track of and. We'll have it all covered for you on GoVols 24-7. Yes, we will. We will have every single bit of it covered. And uh, But for now, though, we will leave it here, and we will get this thing uh, cut up, and we will get it sent out there to the people. So thanks for being here, Ryan. Appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Thanks, Wes. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the GoVols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, 
MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.